0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where I speak with creative entrepreneurs, artists, and other insanely interesting people to hear their stories Learn about their molding moments, tipping points, and spectacular takeoffs.
1: Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be. With AWeber's easy-to-use email marketing platform, you can stay connected with your audience, write new content faster, sell more, and grow your business – All without having to become an expert in yet another business tool. Start today at aweber.com slash podcast. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash podcast. Aweber. Simpler email marketing.
2: Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.
4: Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
0: Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This
4: product is not intended to
0: diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Amy, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks for taking the time to join us.
4: Thanks for having me on, Srini. It's exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, it's more like a welcome back because, uh, you know, we had you here back when we were called Blogcast FM. But, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, we've got a lot of new listeners. Things have changed quite a bit since you were last here. And, uh, you know, for, for people listening, tell us uh, a bit about the journey before the journey and, and everything that has led you to doing uh, the work that you're doing in the world today.
4: Sure. So I hope you guys are sitting down with a warm beverage um, because it's <laughs> kind of a long story. So. Um, I run a site called Strong Inside Out, which is a fitness site that basically helps unleash people's strong through fitness and positive action. So what I do is I help people really find their deeper why and use fitness as a way to overcome any kind of struggle. And the reason I do that is because fitness personally helps me overcome my struggle. So, um, Back in, uh, you know, my, my teens, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and obsessive compulsive disorder. And that's not, um, it's, it's not something that's really triggered by anything per se. It's just kind of a chemical imbalance in my brain. Um, and when you're a teenager, your hormones just go kind of crazy and make both of those things much worse. So they were kind of feeding each other. But since the to- topic around depression and anxiety disorders is so taboo... Um, I wouldn't talk about it. I I really didn't want to talk about it. I grew up kind of the shy kid at this point. I was just kind of like the, the rebel kid because I had all this pain inside and I thought just nobody understood me. So I'd lash out a lot. Um, I'd, you know, make a scene in class and that kind of stuff and and not a lot of the teachers really wanted to dive in and see what the deeper cause of that was. It was more like a she's a troubled kid, we can't wait to get her out of class kind of thing um A couple of teachers did you know pull me aside and ask me what's going on, what's wrong, why is this happening um but that was very rare, so I kept not talking about it because the more I lashed out, the more you know I was ostracized for mm-hmm. it um And so I just didn't want other people to have another reason to say, oh, she's just the crazy girl. So I never talked about it. um, And it got worse. It got worse. It got worse. It fed into other things that went wrong. And then um, in my early 20s, I just had had enough. Like I was into self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. I was with the wrong kinds of friends. Um, I was in a job that I hated. um, And I just, I didn't feel like I had any control over my life. So I actually tried to end it. And my roommate um, stopped me and she begged me to get help. Um, she had me call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which did save my life. And um, they asked me, you know, if you don't feel better in the morning, go to the hospital, go to the emergency room. Um, so I went to the emergency room the next morning. And they actually hospitalized me against my will. Because once you say that you want to hurt yourself, they immediately have to um, put you in the care of somebody who can help you. And I've never been so angry in my entire life as being put in that hospital against my will. And um, being put there, your choices are stripped from you. I know I told you guys about this last time when I was on Blogcast FM. But you don't have a choice. You take a medication, you don't know what it is, at a certain time. You eat at a certain time. You go to sleep at a certain time. You wake up at a certain time. You have no choices in a place like that. Um, So being in a situation like that, I realized the kind of choices I had in my real life that I wasn't taking advantage of. Even if there was no hope for me, even if there was no way for me to overcome this life sentence of clinical depression and this anxiety disorder, I had to at least try. I had the choice to at least try and do something about it. So when I got out of there, I really just dedicated myself to to getting better. And it was a roller coaster, you know, because it's not like you just decide and it happens. It was a few years. And it wasn't until I actually found fitness as my outlet that all the work that I was doing with my therapist started to really stick. It made everything a lot stickier. So I found that when I really pushed myself, to get stronger in the gym. I was getting stronger outside of the gym too. I was becoming more resilient. I was becoming more confident and I was, um, taking bigger risks and having more faith in myself, the more that I really, uh, got determined in the gym. So that's how I became a personal trainer and corrective exercise specialist. That's how I, um, developed strong inside out. And that's my story.
0: So, you know, as you've heard me say a thousand times, a lot of stuff here, and I want to go back to the very beginning of this, uh, you know, one of the things you said was that it's sort of a taboo subject to talk about. Uh, and it's something that we, we tend to bury, I think for yeah. for many people, even as adults, I think it's one of those things that actually gets infested in us. And, uh, we just, you know, bury it and bury it and bury it until something causes it to come to the surface. And I, I guess the, the question for me is, is one, how you deal with this, this taboo nature of it and, and, uh, you know, if people are going through something similar, but are afraid to to talk about it,
4: mm-hmm. uh, I think um, the very first step is, is realizing that everyone struggles every single person every single one of us goes through our own version of struggle you know mine was clinical depression somebody else's is you know uh struggling with not feeling like they're good enough or not feeling like they're uh they're worthy of something um but it's it's all about really facing that um the becoming aware of what that is in you and also just not you know giving too much, uh, I'm trying to say this without swearing, um, not giving an ish about what other people, um, think as far as that goes. I mean, there, there's always judgment. Somebody's always going to think something negatively about you, but what you think about yourself is what really matters. Mm -hmm. So I think, but the first step to, so I did it in a, in a very weird way. So I, I wouldn't recommend going about it the way that I did it. I, I, hadn't told more than five people before I shared my story on strong inside out. Mm -hmm. And then I shared it with the world. So I don't, I don't recommend that just because there, I was very lucky in that the people who did read the story, um, were very supportive. Um, and a lot of people, you know, could relate with it. Um, but, I think the very first step is just talking to maybe an unbiased person. So I always recommend that people, I, I am the biggest proponent of therapy ever. Um, so whether that's seeing um, a therapist who's covered by your health insurance or, you know, visiting Sevencupsoftea.com, which is um, where you can access actually um, counselors and listeners for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trained listeners. You can chat with somebody right as soon as you get on that site. Um, But just talking it out. And if you don't feel comfortable bringing it up with the people that are around you, talking it out with an unbiased source, like a therapist or like somebody at seven cups of tea. Mm
0: -hmm. It's it's interesting, you know, you bring up talking to a a therapist and uh, I don't know if you saw it the other day, somebody actually posted an article on founder depression uh, for startup founders. Because you're right. I mean, the judgment thing um, and the criticism thing, we live in such a, a, a world in which, our lives are so publicly on display, uh, whether we want them to be or not, especially the types of people who listen to the show, the types of people who are guests on this show. And, and I think that's, that's a very, very hard thing to wrestle with. Uh, yeah. it, it's, such a, it's a strange world that we live in because of that.
4: It's definitely is. Definitely is. Yeah. And that's, it's a totally different world. I I, I've actually gotten quite a few emails from people. Like I want to tell my story too. You know, my whole family doesn't know that this is a problem. And I'm like, well, maybe just have a conversation intimately with them first so that they don't find out online. Cause that's kind of the worst way. I, I know one, one girl I had talked to, um, posted a video and nobody really uh, of her having a panic attack. And I was like, ah, just, it's a lot for somebody to handle. Um, the fact that we don't talk about it makes everybody very uber sensitive to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that you should not be open about it. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I'm saying the opposite, but you have to approach it in a way that it's not going to, um, I don't know that, that people will be receptive to it. So I mean, this is all your choice, but how I would personally go about it is talk to that person in the way that they need to hear it. So it's different per person. And some people might see a video like that and say, okay, now I fully understand what you're going through. But not everybody, especially people who are really worried about you and your health and your stability, um, m- that might not be the best way for them to see it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think it's uh, it, it's it's interesting because we have to be selective about it. I, it the key, in, in my mind, I think what it is, is you don't want to m- do ir- irreversible damage to your reputation, as, as crazy as that sounds, because it seems counterintuitive to the idea of who gives a shit what anybody thinks.
4: That's a, that's a really interesting point too, Srini. And I think Danielle Laporte uh, talked about that one time because she is very open about what she goes through, but she makes it very clear that she's open about what she goes through after she goes through it. Yeah. She doesn't talk about it while she's going through it. Um, and I think that's really important too. Um, I mean, it depends on you know what you're going through. Like I talk about when I'm going through overwhelm mm-hmm. or something like that, but if I'm in a really dark stage of depression, I won't talk about it until I'm out of it because it doesn't uh, it's not as helpful and you don't have that kind of almost enlightenment about what it is that helped you get through it until you're out of it.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's, you, I don't think you have uh clarity.
4: Yeah. To, clarity to be, is a good
0: word to, to really be able to process it. I mean, you know, I love what Meg Warden said, you know, she's like, you know, you don't want to treat your audience as your therapist or, you know, like, and that's, that's a, that's yeah. a bit of a dangerous line to cross, uh, It's weird, right? Because I think there's something to be said for vulnerability, but then it's, you know, sometimes you have to cross the line to know where it's at. But I think that, like you said, you know, it's, it's way more useful to talk about it after you've gone through it than it is while you're going through it. Because while you're going through it, I think you don't have clarity. You're not objective. I mean, you're, Mm -hmm. you're speaking from a place that is, is actually quite dangerous.
4: Exactly, and that's that's the thing is it is dangerous, especially for a lot of us that are in this field of helping other people and that have these public personas. Um, if we throw out the wrong kind of information out there while we're in it, it could give somebody the wrong idea and prompt somebody to take the, you know, dangerous action. Um, so yeah, it's definitely. I think it's better if we go through it first. Um, but I know there's different uh, mind, mind frames around that.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of going through it, let let's, let's get a bit more in depth into the part of going through it for you. I mean, you know, you're in high school. I mean, talk to me about this phase of of self-medication of alcohol, drugs, uh, and kind of, you know, I mean, what led you there, what came from it, uh, and, and what it was like during that time. I mean, were you just numbing the pain that you were in, uh, talk to me in a, a bit more depth about all of that.
4: Well, I think um, the, the main, you know, drive behind it was that, you know, I, I didn't really think that people were truly happy. Mm-hmm. I thought that happy people were faking it um, at that time. I, didn't really, I thought that they were just either faking it or too stupid to realize all the pain there was in the world. Um, and so I thought, well, if they can fake it, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time. Um, maybe I can just take, you know, some E and feel better at least for a night. Mm -hmm. So that's, that was actually primarily what I did in high school was, uh, ecstasy. And then I, I drank, um, but, uh, that's, that's pretty much all I did in high school. But when I got out, I didn't really do anything. I, I drank a lot when I was in college and stuff. But when I got out and into the real world, I guess you could say, and, um, I, I wanted to be an actress at this time, um, for all the wrong reasons. You know, I felt like, you know, nobody saw me throughout my whole life. So I feel like I really wanted to be seen. So what better way than to become a famous actress. Right. So, uh, and also it was safe to emote mm-hmm. as an actress. So where I couldn't emote in my real life, I could on stage. Um, so I loved it, but, um, getting out into that world, into L.A. I moved to New York when I was 17. I moved to L.A. when I was 19. And it was um, it was just a lot at once. It was a really quick growing up that I did. And um, uh, it was, I, I just couldn't, I could, I felt like I couldn't do a lot, all of it on my own, but I also felt like I couldn't reach out for help. Mm. It was kind of this weird um paradox happening and I so I I reached for you know I thought that in order to be loved I needed to be super skinny for instance so I went to diet pills Mm. and that was that was a lot of what I used um, to kind of self-medicate and I got down to like a size two but you know I was shaky all the time I was lightheaded all the time I was drinking I wasn't eating real food it was it was horrible um but I think self-medicating, each each thing that you do really, or each thing that I did anyways, really had like a backup of like, well, this will make me loved. Mm-hmm. Or this will, you know, make people realize how much pain I'm going through and make them ask me what's wrong because I don't want to go to them for help. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of like cries for uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was mainly drinking was my my main thing mm-hmm. um, back then. Yeah.
0: So let's get into this idea about doing all these things to, to sort of, you know, feel loved. Um, it's strange because, you know, the, the episode that's actually on the show today, as you and I are talking, uh, is about overcoming an addiction to money and success. Mm,
1: uh, yeah.
0: Which, it's strange to think that you could be addicted to success, right? Uh, yeah. But then, then you, you think about it, right? Like, to your point, I think that we we have this idea of, Hey, if all these things happen, I'm going to be much more loved. I'm going to be much more worthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be much happier. And I mean, I think we, we can, you know, logically understand that. That's I mean, no matter how many times we hear it, okay, well, that's not true, you know. Um, but then it's easy to say, okay, well, that's easy for you to say because you have everything, uh, you know. Is sort of the, the retort to that. But I mean, getting to that point uh, or transcending that. Uh, a feeling this sort of, okay, these are all these external things that happen to happen for me to feel loved. I mean, what what's your advice on that?
4: I think it really does come down to the stereotypical you have to find love in yourself before you get it from other people. And mm. it's, it's really about putting yourself first and whatever you need to do to make that happen. So it's not so much about like, you know, I'm going to sit and meditate for half an hour a day or anything like that. It's really about like asking yourself what you need in this moment. Mm -hmm. Like, do you, do you need time by yourself? Do you need, um, you know, to talk to someone, um, whatever it is that you need and really addressing that, really taking action to give that to yourself and not justifying it away Mm -hmm. is the very first step of really finding love within yourself. So you can find it without. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a really good way of putting it. I mean, I think that we don't do that, right? Because we're so constantly concerned with how to impress and satisfy other people and how to keep getting ahead and how to keep making progress, uh, almost to the point where we can drive ourselves into the ground.
4: And I think that's really um, important to notice too. Within people who really do need to love themselves more, they always focus their love on or making sure that other people feel like they have it, because that's what they want for themselves. So they want to give that to other people, but then they don't give enough to themselves.
1: Hmm.
0: That's a, that's an interesting way of putting it. Well, let's do this. Uh, you know, here's here's where I think the story gets really interesting for me is that you get to a point where things are so bad that you try to take your own life. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'd love to actually do sort of a deeper dive into, you know, the sequence of events that lead you to that point. And then, and then we can talk sort of uh, about what happens after, mm-hmm. uh, because that's, that's a tough thing. I mean, that's, that's a really sort of dark thought. I mean, especially knowing what we know of you, uh, like, when I've met you in person, I can't like, it's such a you know, dichotomy to imagine hey. you cause you're always smiling. You're always happy. And to think, wait a minute, this is a girl who tried to kill herself. It doesn't, yeah. you know, like, you're kind of like, wow, that is a drastic and radical change. Um, so talk to me first about sort of the sequence of events in a bit more depth that led you to that moment.
4: Sure. And I think, um, it's important to talk about. I also want just to notify anybody, not notify, but just like kind of put something, you know, a little alert out there. If, if you guys are going through anything really deep, you might want to just, um, you know, listen to this with a grain of salt or, or just skip this one part just because it can serve as a trigger for anybody who's going through that right now. And, um, uh, there is help for you out there. So just to put that out there uh, a little bit early here when we talk about my story. But um, So what led up to that was uh, years of um, being in a career that I didn't really want to be in, um, that was making me miserable, but I had always told myself that I was going to do it, so I was going to do it, even if it made me miserable all the time. Mm-hmm. It was being in the wrong circles with the wrong people who were doing, you know, things that were not healthy at all. It was looking for love in all the wrong places and relationships and, you know, um, in, uh, in, you know, drugs and that kind of stuff and, uh, acting out and just trying to be, I don't know, be different and, and stand out in the wrong ways. So the, the night that it happened, I was dating, somebody who, um, was, you know, still caught up in his ex-girlfriend and, and stuff like that. And, um, I was at a party with my unsupportive friends and, um, and I was, I was drinking pretty heavily and I was at this point and I was drinking to fall asleep. Like it was, I was self-medicating to that point. Um, and I was going through the pain still of another recent breakup. And I had gotten involved with this guy to try to, you know, mend that, um, which I do not recommend at all. Um, and, uh, so I had gotten, we had gotten into a fight that night and I was out with my unsupportive friends and I was drunk and, um, it was just, it was just the breaking point. I mean, it was like, it was so many things at once. I was, I was, going after this dream that wasn't my dream anymore and I didn't want to face it. I, um, I had just been through, you know, uh, another breakup with somebody I really thought I was going, f- you know, further with. Um, that was my first real feelings about somebody that I had had in a really long time. Um, I was far away from my family who I'm very close with. And it was just like, it was, it was just in that night that I almost realized that, you know, I'd been through so long of feeling this way and it wasn't getting better. And it was this feeling of hopelessness and I just didn't, I didn't want to try anymore. I didn't want to put any more effort out there anymore. And that's what really led me to that point. Um, So, um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Wow.
0: I mean, and in the moment when you say, okay, that's it, I'm done. What goes through your mind?
4: Um, sadly, what went through my mind is don't think about it, just do it.
0: Wow. And somehow, obviously, you're still here. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So talk to me about what happens after that.
4: What happens after that? Well, I mean, thank God for my roommate who was there, um, who I haven't talked to since, actually. I really scared her off for life, and I don't blame her. I mean, that's a really scary thing for a 19-year-old to go through, supporting somebody like that. Um, But I called the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and the trained listener there talked me out of it, talked me off the ledge, and... um, I also talked to um, a, a friend, a, a very good friend of mine who was an ex-boyfriend. He also just said, you know, um, just go to sleep. And if you're, if you're feeling like this in the morning, go to the emergency room. And so I didn't know what to expect when I went to the emergency room. I just knew that I was in a lot of pain. Um, but I really, I don't know how I blocked it out of my mind that they would send me to a hospital, but I really did. I really wasn't expecting it at all. And then when they did, it was like this wake up of like, oh my gosh, this is really serious. Mm. Um, it was almost like I was in this haze. Like I wasn't awake that whole time. Um, and so when I went, it was like, this is like people actually care enough to like put me here but that's not really that wasn't really the thought it wasn't really caring it was like I'm being punished for feeling this way is how I felt at that time mm-hmm. um, but being in there was a true wake-up call uh, not having any choices whatsoever because I'm really kind of anti-authority I'm not really like good with being told what I need to do e- e- even by myself um, and so that was really, uh, like, I knew that I never wanted to be in that situation ever again. And that, that was a wake up call in that sense. But my mom drove down from Northern California. She had to let me out against, um, the doctor's recommendations. Um, she had to, you know, sign that she took all, you know, liability away from the hospital and that kind of stuff. And I went up to, uh, to live back up with my family for like a couple of weeks. Um, before I came back down to LA. And um, it was just a lot of like, I, I don't even remember too much of that week because there was so much, so much going on. It was like just so much going on in my head. And it was a lot of laying around and not doing anything, but I don't really remember that much at that time. Um, but then it was, it really was a roller coaster of like trying and failing and trying and failing and standing up. Every single time from then on out, that was one thing that I was really determined to do was keep standing up. Um, and that was really the, the the one thing that I can attribute my recovery to was I refused to just lie down and let go. Mm-hmm.
2: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare insurance plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're say between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare insurance plans at uh1.com.
1: Running a business is hard, but your email marketing doesn't have to be.
2: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly
3: medical, dental, and vision
2: coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.
3: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away.
0: So let's talk about this idea of of trying and and failing and trying and failing in the roller coaster, uh, because I, I, you know, I think maybe everybody feels like that at some point in their lives, um, and maybe not to the extreme uh, degree that you have. I mean, all of us face challenges and issues and problems uh, in numerous areas of our lives. And I think that that, in, in, in many ways, is, is sort of a, a critical part of the hero's journey of almost anybody on this show. I mean, there's people who, who have ended up in prison because of their choices mm-hmm. uh, that have been guests on this show. So there, there are two things that come from this for me. I mean, it seems like this was really sort of the catalyst for just massive changes in your life. Uh, something that sort of shakes you to the core.
4: Uh, yeah. Rock bottom often is for people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so this is a question I've asked a lot of people, um, just because it seems that it's almost like in order for a massive change to happen, you know, a massive explosion has to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, if you don't get shaken to the core, is there a way to bring about these sort of drastic changes in your life? Uh, And I mean, there's obviously some people who get shaken to the core and never bounce back. Uh, So Mm -hmm. the two questions really are, one, is this kind of a thing necessary? And then two, let's talk about the roller coaster because, you know, that up and down can drive you to madness.
4: Yeah, it can. Yeah. Um, Well, funny you asked this because I wrote a book about it. (laughs) Um, It's about how hitting rock bottom is that catalyst for most people. And it takes a lot of people that to, to change their lives around, to fully pull a 180. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that's necessary. No. I don't think that people need to get to that point. It comes down to that simple switch in your brain that says, I'm going to fully commit or I'm not. So it's, it comes down to, like, what is this truly worth to me? And the realization that each action you take leads you to that result. So it's, it's more about really rooting yourself in that deeper why, what you really want out of your life, and then putting that intention into every action that you take. Um, so it's interesting that you, you say it takes this big explosion, but you can actually almost create that explosion within your own self. You, you don't have to wait for the, the world to give it to you. In fact, I don't recommend it. It's not fun. Like it's not, it's not a great thing to go after in your life. Um, but yes, I do believe that struggle is important. And I, I actually, this is kind of the theme of my new tour that I'm doing is that, Struggle is something that we shy away from, but I'm here to argue that it's something that we truly should embrace. It's something that, that is the key to making us stronger. We can't be strong without going through the struggle first,
1: mm-hmm.
4: you know? So, um, so yeah, I think that getting to that point without that big explosion just takes you sitting down with yourself and really facing what you're not dealing with. hmm
0: so let's talk about this uh, this idea of the intention and the deeper why, and then you know we'll, we'll also talk about the struggle piece because I think this, the struggle is, is absolutely one of those things that definitely in, in my life I've found that that is always as awful as it is in the moment. Somehow it, it leads to a lot of other things that are good after it's over. It's true, yeah. But let's talk about, you know, this idea of intention and the deeper why and and taking action towards that, um, you know, one small action at a time. Because here's one of the things that I see with change or attempts to change is that, you know, you get this person who wakes up one day. And I'm sure as a fitness person, you've seen this. It's like, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to lose 100 pounds and I'm going to do it all in this week. Yeah. Like, yeah, people just go crazy. And as a result, they they set themselves up for failure. Uh, Yeah. So two things. One is figuring out the sort of intention and deeper why and and how you help people find it. Uh, and then we'll start talking specifically about using fitness to, to deal with some of the challenges that, uh, we face.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, the, the finding the deeper why is, do you want to cover that first or what do you, what what, do you want to go in? Let's start with the
0: finding (laughs) the deeper why and the intention.
4: Okay. Finding your deeper why and your intention is kind of an an art, if you've never done it before, it's, um, because a lot of us, you know, have those surface goals. So that guy that wants to go out and lose a hundred pounds this week, he's like, you know, I'm tired of being made fun of for my weight, or I'm tired of not being able to, you know, um, run a mile. I want to go lose a hundred pounds. What I always do with my clients, my virtual clients, um, is say, why just asking them why over and over again until a, they hate me, and B, they find that deeper why. So there's, there's always something deeper than that surface, I want to look better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you ask yourself why and get deeper, and it sounds simple, but no, not very many of us actually do this, is you keep asking why until you hit that point where you feel that gut reaction, that emotion that really rises up. So for, for one person that I reach, recently coached, I kept asking her why she wanted to lose weight. Why do you, why do you want to lose weight? Um, because I think it would be good for my family. Why do you want to lose weight? Because you think it would be good for your family? Because, you know, my kids have always not eaten healthy. Um, so, so why does that matter? Um, because I don't want them to die early be, like the rest of my family has. Mm-hmm. That's where the emotion has come up. So rooting your intention in something simple like a mantra, I'm a big fan of mantras for, especially for while you're working out, but also you carry those into your real life. And that's how you strengthen through workouts and real life. Mm -hmm. Um, So we rooted her mantra in do it for them, do it for them. And it's all about finding that, that point that's going to, that's going to immediately root you in something bigger than you. Something bigger than whatever this feeling is right now.
1: Hmm.
0: I love that. All right, so let's shift gears a little bit and let's start talking about how we can leverage fitness to overcome a lot of these emotional challenges. I mean, you know, we talked about the roller coaster ride of struggle and challenge, and it sounds like fitness has been this integral part of dealing with that roller coaster ride to, to get to the other side of, of, you know, what seems like an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's talk about that in more depth, uh, you know, how you've done it, you know, what, you know, how does, I mean, specifically, how does this create changes internally in us that actually help, um, really navigate these very difficult emotional times?
4: Well, there's a lot of science behind it, actually. Um, there's a great book that I say seriously on every interview I'm on. So if you've listened to another interview, you've heard this before. It's called Spark, the Revolutionary New Science, uh, science of Exercise in the Brain. And it's by Dr. John J. Rady. He just had a new book um, come out as well. Um, but he, he pulled together all this research that shows exactly how aerobic exercise helps you recover from stress, depression, Anxiety and a host of other things, ADHD. Um, but it really it helps rewire your brain, even build new brain cells, grow like, elevate brain derived neurotrophic factor. It's a, just a whole bunch of uh, sciencey stuff behind it. But basically, it's very good for your brain. It helps you hold on to other things in your real life that you're working on, um, and it helps you focus in and out of out of, um, your workouts. Um, so that focus translates to, um, you know, focusing on that deeper why, um, really putting that an intention and realizing that you need to put that intention be, behind um, the big actions that you take in life. So one of the big things for me before I went into the hospital was that I knew what I wanted, um, on the surface level. So I didn't have my deeper why and, I went after that, or I just said that I wanted that, but I didn't take actions that aligned with that why, Mm -hmm. even the surface one. So I was like, oh, I want to be a famous actress. I hope that somebody gives that to me. Instead of actually going out and really just pounding the pavement, trying to make that happen, You know, I was in an acting class, but because I was getting that fulfillment from the acting class, I was comfortable. I didn't necessarily want to take that next step, even though I said that I did that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, you know, taking fitness and using that mantra, that intention within your fitness. So oftentimes your intention in, you know, your, your life, that, that mantra that you create for yourself will translate to what you need to do in your fitness as well. So it kind of goes both ways, um, inside out, outside in, Mm -hmm. um, so if you take that mantra and use it within your workouts to strengthen yourself. So one of my main things is not believing that I can, or it, it has been. I, I am pretty good with that now. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my mantras that roots me in my self-worth and what I can do is, um, yes, I can. It's very simple. It's very simple, but it means a lot to me personally, mm-hmm. and it roots myself in my deeper why. So while I'm going through my workout... I consistently challenge myself um, more than my last one. So I'm always pushing myself to where I feel like I want to give up. And that's when the mantra kicks in. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Throughout the whole thing. And I just repeat that to myself in my head um, with very loud music. That helps. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I go out into my life, knowing that I could push myself physically um, past what I believed that I could do before, I know that mentally... It's not really as hard as the physical part. If you just keep believing that you really can and putting yourself into that situation, um, whatever intention you had in your workout translates into outside the gym, Mm -hmm. too, if that makes sense. Tell me if you need me to clarify any of that. I'm happy to.
0: Yeah. Let's go, let's go a bit more in depth. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's funny because I've seen fitness, uh, for me, I mean, it, it's always been surfing when, when I look at mm-hmm. how it translated into other habits in my life, uh, it just, it completely transformed everything, Yeah. Uh, and when I'm not surfing regularly, I know there's, there's always this sense that something is off. I mean, what I've found is definitely, no question, like when I'm exercising regularly, even if it's not surfing, like if I'm hitting the gym and just running on a treadmill or whatever for 45 minutes, an hour, I always feel better. Like as awful as I might feel, somehow it changes something in my brain. Yep. Uh, yep. And I'm not sure, you know, and it sounds like chemically that's what happens. And, it, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, it, it, you, you, it's, it, I guess it's one of the things that really does just start to basically infect every other area of your life in a good way.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's uh it elevates so many of those good hormones and chemicals and gets everything working together in sync. So it's, it is very good for everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like it. Uh, so, so one thing around this, uh, I don't imagine that you start exercising and suddenly there are no more, you know, valleys, it's no. not just all uphill from there. So I'm curious, you know, even when, when we're going through this and we're really using fitness to transform our lives and, and things are clearly changing and we hit these valleys, uh, I mean, do you still hit valleys of depression and, and how do we deal with that? Uh, you know, when, when we're going through it?
4: Yeah, and this is um, this is something that I'm really glad you brought up too, because a lot of people will look at my story and be like, oh, she she just cured herself. She's just magically out of depression, she never feels that way anymore. And that is not the case at all. Um, with clinical depression, it, it is a chemical imbalance in your brain. And while it has gotten better because of the amount that I move my body and because of the positive mindset reframing that I've done through cognitive behavioral therapy, it's a lot better. But it still happens. I st- it still kicks in um, either with triggers or without. Sometimes it just happens because of, you know, hormonal fluctuations or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. I do sink into it um, sometimes. But I know that I have my tool belt available to me now. So I know exactly what I need to do, which is, A, get out and do something. Even if it's just 30 minutes of walking. Even if I'm crying the whole time, which has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Two, talk to somebody. Just talk to anyone. Um, I have my support systems. Uh, so don't talk to anyone. I take that back. Talk to anyone who is in that support system that you know will actually listen to you without trying to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes you just need somebody to listen and um, emotionally just feel that. Um, and then, um, sorry, I just, I think somebody is at my door. I think we're good. Um, and then, Also, uh, just, you know, keep that in mind. Keep it in mind what you really are doing this for. Like, um, just know, I, I just told a friend recently, you always tell yourself that this is not how it's always going to be. This this too shall pass, mm-hmm. and um, I use that in a in a non religious way. But I, I say that a lot to myself, actually, because one of my kickboxing teachers, back in the day when I was going through this the really dark times, used that as a mantra through our kickboxing kickboxing class. This too shall pass. This too shall pass, and um, he was one of the first people I came up to and actually told that I was going through a really tough time, and he just he like grabbed me with his big giant muscle arms, just said like this too shall pass with tears in his eyes, big mm-hmm. giant muscle guy. It was pretty amazing. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, I love that. It's, it's, it's funny because I think that we, we, you know, Greg Hartle always likes to say your temporary circumstances are not your permanent identity and they don't mm-hmm. have to be, uh, which is is probably one of the most valuable lessons I've learned from him. And, yeah. and I, I think that, you know, while it's happening, it can be really hard to believe that. Yeah. You know?
4: And also, your past circumstances don't create your life. Don't determine, you know, what you end up to be. I mm-hmm. think past and present. It, you can always change no matter where you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do this. Um, you know, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Obviously, this all of this together has led to sort of this, you know, greater mission with what you're doing with fitness and to go out and, and really sort of spread these changes uh, to other people and really help other people through, you know, empowering other people to make these kinds of changes through fitness. So, so talk to me about kind of where it's all led you. I mean, you know, you started as a personal trainer, but clearly it's grown far beyond that.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it has. Um, it's uh, it's funny because I started Strong Inside Out actually initially as just a fitness site, and I had no idea how I was going to be different than anybody else. Um, and then I found out that my about page was getting more traffic than any of my blog posts, um, and that's where I first shared my story. So that's when I realized that it was something deeper than than just fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I really started to embrace that, like what I had been through, all that struggle I'd been through had brought me to this point where I can share it and help other people through it. So one of my main things was that when I was growing up, I didn't feel like any of the support systems available, like any of the charities, any of the organizations, anybody who came out to help, even, you know, a lot of the school counselors and stuff didn't understand or didn't want to fully understand because I was lashing out at people because I was in so much pain that I was, you know, the loud, obnoxious kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And, After I had gone through my recovery, I came across um, this picture on Flickr. um, First, I was searching for a picture for my blog, and it was this beautiful picture of just these arms extended with love written all over them. And I was like, "What is that? I need to click through to this." So I clicked through, and it brought me to a site for to write love on her arms, which is the. Most amazing suicide prevention charity I have ever come across, and um, they—the way that they they brand themselves, the stories that they tell, the messages that they they give is like they're with you in the trenches and they're not just talking at you. They're not just saying, oh, you know, you'll get over it. Just hang in there, buddy. They're like, we know how much pain you're going through. And though it feels like this right now, there is another side. Just keep hoping, keep hoping and keep fighting and please stay alive is their message. Mm -hmm. Um, And you truly know that it matters to them. And so I reached out to them and I was like, I have to be further involved. You know, let me donate 10% of my ebook sales to your cause. And they were like, okay, that's great. And I was like, this feels stupid. I'm giving 10% to a life-saving cause. This is dumb. So I was like, I need to do something bigger. I need, to, I need to really scale this in a way that's going to help get them more awareness, help get kids' eyes on them and know that they exist, and I need to help them in some way. Like, I really want to give them more than I can personally give. So I was like, what can I possibly do? I teach fitness classes, yay. I can do that, but how can I scale this and really get the word out? Mm-hmm. So last year, you helped me very much in this. I launched the Thirty by Thirty project to to celebrate the thirtieth birthday that I almost didn't have, that I almost gave up. I toured to thirty different cities and taught thirty fitness classes over a course of three months. I lived out of a backpack that raised awareness and donations for To Write Love on Her Arms, and I'm working with them again this year to do the Strong Inside Out tour, where I'm going to major cities and doing huge wellness events. Where people come out, they do my intention driven fitness class so if you 're not sure how to incorporate a mantra and how to fight for you by using your fitness and take that into your real life, please come out to one of our events and I will show you how I will teach you how to do it by taking it through taking you through a hard struggling workout myself. And then um, what we're doing also this year, 50% of those proceeds, by the way, go to To Write Love on Her Arms. And then we're taking people into an ongoing program, which is a track-based program that will give you a workout and mindfulness tools and challenges based on your mindset now. So a depressed person will go down a different track than somebody who's really stressed out or ang- anxious, or a, somebody who's ready for a challenge will go down a different um, track than somebody who is just taking baby steps or just needs to start. So I'm really excited about that. Actually, this is something brand new to this year.
0: Wow. Uh, I love it. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of amazing that a story that is so tragic could turn into something so life-changing.
4: I think that that's, you know, it's so funny because, like, while, you, while you're while you in it, you just have no concept of why there's so much pain in your life. You're looking for reasons, and you're like, why did, you know, the higher powers that be do this to me? Why do they, you know, want me to struggle so much? It doesn't make sense why everybody else is having a good time and I'm not. But there really is, and it's not the best thing to say to somebody who's in the dark depths of of that depression, but there really is a reason for everything. I think there is a reason for, you know, for your pain and it will make sense one day.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, based on all the guests who've been here, uh, you know, on this show. So Amy, uh, f- first off, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming, um, uh, and, and taking the time to, to share some of your story and shed light on a conversation. I think that a lot of us don't want to have, yeah. uh, and that we've, probably avoided at all costs because it's so taboo. But I, you know, when you were telling me about all of this, I thought, you know, this is an important conversation and one that we, we need to talk about uh, because I, yeah. I, I think a... that we don't want to talk about it. And yet if we're willing to, it, I think it actually can heal a lot of pain.
4: It's a, it, it's takes a stronger person to be vulnerable than it does to keep inside. There's no, no reason for you to keep it inside when there's so many people out there, so many organizations out there who want to help. Mm -hmm. Just ask for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Amy, I'm going to close with uh, a final question, uh, which uh, we close all our interviews here with uh, The Unmistakable Creative. So, you know, we live in such a a noisy, sort of crazy, hyper-connected world. And, uh, you know, I guess the question for me always, uh, and maybe one of the driving forces behind why we do this is, What is it in your mind that makes somebody or something unmistakable?
4: I think when somebody really gets into alignment and with that deeper why that we just talked about for, you know, for a long time, actually, um, that person just starts beaming, you know, you can tell, you can see that, that radiance, that, um, that just light coming from the inside of them. And um, I think you can tell even through, you know, through online, you can tell through their writing, you can tell through their videos and everything when everybody, when you're in, in alignment with that intention. And, and it usually happens when you really base that intention in helping other people. So I think that that really makes people un, unmistakable is that, that light that they radiate.
0: Awesome. Well, Amy, uh, like I said, it's, it's been my absolute pleasure to have you here as a guest on Unmistakable Creative. Uh, this has been just you know, mind-blowing and touching, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your insights with our listeners.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, and I hope that everybody can come out to our tour stops this year.
0: Absolutely. And for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. You've been listening to the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Visit our website at unmistakablecreative.com and get access to over 400 interviews in our archives. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? This isn't a story about tech taking over, it's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The 4Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash 4Keys. Use the number 4, K-E-Y-S, that's unmistakablecreative.com